This is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today, your media hub for all things Black business and related news, strategy, and events. Greetings, 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 greetings. So we're excited today to talk with Winter Savage. She's a CEO and entrepreneur um, and an enthusiastic Hampton Roads realtor with EXP Realty LLC. Winter knows the communities of Hampton, Norfolk, and Virginia Beach, in addition to uh, rural areas that surround uh, Hampton Roads. Being a social worker for over 12 years became a launchpad to becoming a realtor. And working face-to-face with her clientele to solve the most pressing problems laid a foundation for Winter to help move families into better housing. Winter loves networking, developing her own network of professionals, from every corner of our community. She's an advocate for Fashion for Awareness, which is a local nonprofit organization dedicated to molding high school graduating seniors. Winter is a member of the Hampton Roads Realtor Association as well. She's eager to assist you with becoming a homeowner and promises to make your real estate expectations a reality with confidence, support, and reassurance. Winter prides herself on being able to provide accessibility to resources and help buyers every step of the way in the home buying process. This is an important Important conversation. Winter, how are you? Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Um, and, you know, talk a little bit just about the housing market, what we're seeing now, rising interest rates, um, and how you're helping your clients to navigate this market. Okay, so in reference to uh, real estate right now, there is something called a seller's market going on. I mean, there's more buyers looking for housing than housing is actually available. So we're inflationing pricing. So right now we're seeing buyers waive contingencies. Um, contingencies are different things in a contract to help you get out of your contract. But when there are 22 bids on one property, there's somebody willing to waive something that protects them. And the person that's waiving to protect it is usually the one that gets the property. But with that, they may get termites. With that, they could get uh, at foundations. With that, they could get a bad roof. It's like what you see is what you get. And the thing about real estate is really easy to get into a contract, but very hard to get out of it. So when you have those contingencies, those are your easy way out. So when you waive those contingencies, it's kind of like, what are you going to do now? So that then reflects on the agent's ethical principles. Am I in it to make sure my client gets this house? Or am I in it to make sure my client gets a sustainable house that needs to last for 30 years for the lifetime of this mortgage? Wow, makes a lot of sense. So people say it's a seller's market and for a lot of folks, you know, they're super excited, but no one's really talking about what you just shared from the perspective of the buyer. Um, and so you play a critical role in helping folks to really navigate this tumultuous environment. I feel like there are a lot of emergencies that are coming about as well, you know, with, with the shortage. Um, what, what are your thoughts? Um, you know, are you having to push people to more, more rental units? I mean, is this a crisis winter? So it's not really a crisis. It's just that. So for example, what I'm noticing about, because I'm into data, I'm noticing that the middle class families don't have a lot of wiggle room. So for that 200 to 250,000 for that three bedroom, two bath, it's very hard to sort out. In real estate, the, the most sought out property is a three bedroom, two bath. 
Okay. Um, the thing about that is everybody's looking for this property. So if your price point is two hundred thousand to two fifty, you're probably looking for a three bedroom, two bath. But if you have five thousand other people looking at the same property, what are your chances of getting it? So what we're seeing now is there needs to be some type of development for the middle class. They just focus just as on the middle class because these are the bankers. These are insurance broker workers. These are your managers of the restaurants. They're the ones that kept us. These are the essential worker managers that need housing right now. So there's no housing opportunities for them. So that's what I'm noticing. People who have 300,000, 400,000, they have it. But it just, sorry about that. It just depends on like your agent, how fast they move, research of the property, because the properties that are available, usually there might be something wrong with them. And if you're trying to move fast, you just want to get your client a property, sometimes you overlook the things that you may see. So for example, when you look at a picture, you can see a roof. If the roof is gray, that means the roof needs to be replaced, okay? You can just use the process of elimination, but because properties are not available, buyers are ignoring that, and they're just going straight for the gusto until the home inspection comes back, and guess what? The roof needs to be replaced. So it's like right now, the things that you would finding a standard new home or a first-time home buyer's home, you're not finding. You're finding things that says seller is selling as is to make no repairs. So those are the things that buyers have to go through. And again, some buyers are so like stressed out about finding a property, they don't even care about the property being in the best condition. They care about their offer being accepted. So I want people to kind of be in a reference to offers being accepted. And again, your house being in a good condition for your offer to be accepted and last you. The last thing you want to do is spend your life savings on a house that you got to save up a whole new life savings for to repair. So it's like, I encourage my buyers to believe that what's for them is for them and to do their due diligence in reference to looking thoroughly at the property, even if it is a nice property. And what I'm noticing now is a lot of people don't understand equity in a property. So I do want to make a disclosure. I'm not a lender. I'm not talking about, you know, anything in reference to uh, um, equity, but I'm saying equity is ownership and like the surplus amount in a property after you've paid everything you need to pay, like positive equity. Okay, so when you buy a house that has issues or that basically may not be worth what you think it's going to be worth after the appraisal, now you accuse something called negative equity. So a house is supposed to give you both. But if you buy a house that's 200000 and it was listed for one ninety, but it's only appraised for one ninety, now you're negative 10000 in equity, meaning that the house is going to be worth less than when you go buy it. So when you go sell it, if that if there's nothing being built in the area or if the equity is not going to rise in the area, you may owe $10,000 when you go sell your house. But some people are so just worried about having that house. And like you said, the thing about rentals, I don't really encourage my clients to go towards rentals because rentals right now are just as much as buying a house, or if not more. It's an influx in rentals as well, like rental pricing, because again, there's more people looking for rental places than rental places that are available. So rent for a two bedroom, I seen the other day, it was like 1300 for a two bedroom, one bath. So it's like the economy is at a place where it's forcing people to buy. Why? Because you have an advantage of knowing that your rent is never going to go up, but your mortgage is going to always stay the same. You also know that if anything's going on in with the house, you know what's going on with the house because you got a home inspection and you own it. You know, when it comes to a rental, there might be underlying issues you just don't know because you don't own that property. So there's risks that come with rentals and there's risks that come with buying. Now, I can say that anybody renting, I let them know to take their time, create a plan. Don't just jump out there in this housing world 
take, give yourself a year to plan out how you want to, you know, how you want your buying process to go. Go ahead and make sure your assets are liquidated. Make sure that you understand exactly the closing costs. Make sure that you like your lender. Make sure your lender is actually responsive because guess what? The lender is the most important person in a real estate transaction. The home inspector and the lender are the most important people because that's the money and that's what's wrong with the house. So if you have those two people, then basically your house should be a good good to go. And if it's not, it's okay too because you'll rather spend $400 on home inspection than $400,000 on a house you can't get out of, you know? So Winter, what are the other components to that deal? You mentioned two, the lender and the home inspector. Who else is involved in the process of buying a home? So of course your real estate agent. Okay, because they help you find a property. Also, your lawyer or your title company. So title companies are good, but lawyers also can serve as your power of attorney. And they also can give you legal advice when it comes to your questions. A title company can't, but they cost the same amount of money. So those are two also important people. But you can use either the title company or a lawyer. And they also are synonymous with the word escrow agent. So that means they hold all the money that you're basically putting towards the deal. So the brokerage doesn't hold that money. The lender doesn't hold that money. Your escrow agent hold, um, owns, I mean, holds that money, who is the, um, the lawyer or the title company. Okay. What are closing costs, Winter? The closing costs are, is, is all the money associated with the acquisition of the land. So, when you first put in an offer on a property, you want to make sure, hey, does this house have any liens or any back taxes or anything like that that's going to be transferred with this property when I own it? So what your lawyer does or the title company does or the escrow company does, okay, which again is synonymous, they basically research your property for you and make sure that it's clear title. Okay, so when it's transferred to you, um, Uncle Sam can't come to you or Uncle J J Jerome can't come to you and say, hey, this was my mama house in 1945. What you doing here? Like they're able to say, hey, well, I bought this house. Here's the deed. And there's nothing on this deed saying that it, anybody else had any type of ownership to it. OK, so that's the um, thing that the title company and the um, lawyer did, does. And what was the next question that you asked me, ma'am? So I just asked about all of the components, all of the people that were necessary to close on a home. And then we talked about the closing costs as well, I think. Okay. Yeah. And closing costs, that was the question. Okay. Well, okay. So closing costs include, again, the title search. The closing costs include the lender fees. The closing costs include anything associated with the property. Sometimes you have to pay like um, just different expenses that are that are necessary in order for you to get that property. And that can vary. I've had people who have closing costs at $500 and I've had people that have closing costs at $50,000. So it all really? depends on the property that you're buying. And it all depends on like your research. Like when it comes to buying a property, are you trying to get grants? Are you trying to get down payment assistance? Because all these things are part of your closing costs. So down payment is part of the transaction and it's paid alongside the closing costs, but a down payment is something that basically has to be paid inevitably for an FHA loan, for a conventional loan, usually 3.5% down. But again, because I'm not a lender, the lender can answer that question more, but usually it's about 3.5%. That's inevitable on top of whatever you have to pay for the title, whatever you have to pay for the lender fees. Some people want discount points which also helps them with bringing down an interest rate. They can pay for that. So it's different things that it includes. Some people may add the home inspection. But what I, when I say closing costs, 
I say clothing cost is what you bring to the table at the end. Yes, you pay for your home inspection, but usually you pay for that the day that you get it. So it doesn't go to the table with your closing costs. You know, also appraisals could be part of your closing costs. But again, it's paid before you get to the closing table. And usually the appraisal is what helps you either realize you want this property or you don't. So say you find a property and it's 250000 you offer. However, it's only worth 200000 Do you think that's a good property for you to get? No. So mm. the, appraisal, the appraisal is your contingency. So if your prop, if you don't waive that contingency, because right now we're seeing people waive that. So with that being said, if your appraisal comes back at two hundred thousand and you offer two hundred and fifty thousand, you now have negotiation power to say, "Hey, this property's not worth what I'm paying for it for." So let's go ahead and bring the price down. And if they don't agree to do that, you can walk away from it. But what's going on now? People are doing something called an appraisal guarantee, meaning that if this property appraises for two hundred thousand, I'll pay the fifty thousand out of pocket just to get this house. It's something we usually don't see. So another question for you, Winter. As the realtor, are you acting in a capacity where effectively you're managing the other vendors that are associated on behalf of the client or no? Is the client having to engage with the title people, the appraisal people and all of the other things? Or is that what you're doing on behalf of the the client? Okay, so the first step in reference to a buyer working with any of the entities that you mentioned, they have to do something called a buyer's engagement, giving permission for those particular entities or vendors to help them in the home buying process. Okay. What I do is my clients, because I've already worked with a lot of home inspectors, a lot of lawyers, things of et cetera, et cetera, they trust my expertise. So sometimes they do come to me and ask me, well, who do you recommend for this service? Or okay. some might Hey, I, my cousin worked with this person and this is the person that I would like to work with. So who they choose to work with is their uh, prerogative. Like they can choose whoever they want to. However, a lot of clients want to go through who their real estate agent may already have a relationship with. So therefore, you know, they don't like you can get a home inspection and a home inspector can miss one thing that might be termites. It might. So, for example, say we look in a house and it's pristine, but right under the toilet, the baseboard is being eaten up. Mm-hmm. That might termites but say that an inspector just sees hey this looks like this needs to be painted and they put this needs to be painted now you're in there's a problem because three years later three years later go by your bit your baseboards are disappearing because you have an infestation of termites that your inspector missed years ago but if you had an inspector that somebody told you hey i highly recommend this person you know they find everything in the cracks and crevices i think they'll do a good job that gives the buyer the peace of mind knowing hey they know this they know this home inspector i think that they'll do a job so they kind of use who you um would may may recommend now serving as a liaison yes we do we make sure everybody's on one accord because if everybody's not on one accord guess what the the deal won't be on one accord one thing about any type of process is you want the synergy there so therefore, everything flows. If nothing flows, it can are it can make the heightened uh, it can give you a heightened level of anxiety. So I always tell people that it's inevitable that you have anxiety, but there's different types of anxiety. There's de-stress and there's eustress. So eustress is like getting married. It's good stress, okay? Eustress is like being promoted at your job. Eustress is like buying a house. But sometimes our body can't differentiate what's good and bad when it comes to anxiety. So that's when our minds have to come into play and say, hmm, what's going on here is a good thing for me. 
So instead of me taking this in or taking this anxiety as something that's bad, I have to realize I'm accomplishing something that most people can't, especially people of the African-American community. I have to let people know in our community that we've only been able to buy houses for 55 years. You know, so this stress that you're feeling is a good stress. But because, you know, it's so many different things involved, it's the largest purchase they'll ever make in their life. There's things that just make you a little bit apprehensive. So when the agent can come in and have those resources, when it comes to a home inspector, when it comes to a trusted lender, when it comes to a trusted lawyer, it kind of helps alleviate some of the stress that the buyer is going to inevitably go through anyway, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make a lot of sense. Wow, this has been empowering, Winter. I really appreciate you sharing your your intel. What else would you say to someone looking to buy a home uh, in the next 30 days? I would tell them education is everything. Uh, In order to buy a house, you need a pre-approval. So if you want to buy a house, you can get approved within three days. You can get approved within a week. You can get approved within 30 days. It's all about how you respond to your lender. So a lender just needs paperwork. And once he gets your paperwork and can validate your assets, then he gives you something called an instrument known as your pre-approval. I tell clients, don't get too wrapped up in a pre-qualification. Always focus on a pre-approval because a pre-approval has already validated your assets versus a pre-qualification is like going online and filling out information and them just telling you what they think because what you tell them that you have a guesstimation of what you may make or what you think about making is more like a projection versus a pre-approval is more like this is what it is. It locks in your interest rate. It lets you know how much you can borrow and it won't change. It stays set for a certain amount of time. And if a certain amount of time goes by and you haven't utilized it, you can basically get another one or your income may change and you might be able to be pre-qualified or pre-approved for more. So I would tell buyers, if they're looking to buy in the next 30 days, make sure you have something called a pre-approval because it already shows you what you are qualified to get. It also it shows you your price, your, um, price point and it also gives you an opportunity to lock in an interest rate once you find a property that's for you. Beautiful. Awesome. Thank you, Winter. Give us your social media handles, ways that you can be contacted. Okay. So on Facebook, I have a page for real estate and it's Winter Savage, your real estate agent. And on Instagram, it's Winter Rise You, W-I-N-T-E-R-I-Z-E-Y-O-U. And I'm looking forward to helping anybody that I can. I pride myself on being the um, real estate agent who creates educated buyers. So therefore, how to buy a house and be comfortable with the decision and look at it as a journey process. Makes sense. Thank you, Winter. We look forward to talking with you again in the future. Likewise, and thank you for having me. You guys have a great week. Happy Monday. You as well. Take care. Welcome back. Talking now with Miss Nikki She is the founder of Buy From a Black Woman, an advocate for Black women uh, that has a list of accomplishments. We're really going to talk now about her efforts to continue this particular movement. Welcome, Nikki. How are you? Buy From a Black Woman, we are a nonprofit organization. Uh, We empower, inspire, and educate Black women business owners and the people who support them. So our motto is when you support a Black woman business owner, you support a whole community. Because in essence, the Black women are the ones who are uplifting, putting our communities together. So supporting Black women business owners, supporting whole communities, that's what we're doing. 
Uh, we were established in 2016. I'm located here in Atlanta, Georgia. I went to an event and I was the only black woman there. And I thought that was crazy because here's an event of entrepreneurs um, selling things and people are paying for their services and there were no black women represented. I was like, I have to do something. So I took what I called the buy from a black woman challenge, something I just created where I was seeking out black women business owners and buying from there once a week and then blogging about it. Um, the blog took traction. People were finding it, sharing it with their friends and families and loved ones. And black women who were business owners, they reached out to me and they were like, hey, I see your blog. How do I get on your blog? But in turn, other people were like, I see the work you're doing. How can I support your mission? Two things that you learn in a nonprofit is that you want people to support your mission with money, but also you want people to spread the word about the, and bring awareness to what you're doing. So the formula was already there. Um, I had a background in nonprofit prior to working seven years in the nonprofit sector. I said, this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life, my purpose. Mm. Let me do this. And if it's easy for me to do, then I know I'm doing it correctly. And it's been five years and we have not stopped since. Wow. Congrats to you. Super duper exciting. Um, just, you know, grateful. Obviously, the statistics uh, regarding black women in entrepreneurship, you know, very interesting. Right. I read just this morning, 20 percent of women entrepreneurs in the country are black women, black women, you know, the fastest growing segment of entrepreneurs. But as you sort of highlighted, they're doing it with only marginal success. Right. They're leaving corporate positions where they're making six figures. They're coming into entrepreneurship, not necessarily getting the funding that they need, not necessarily gaining the traction that they need in order to really, um, you know, do what they were doing when they were working corporate, right? Just in terms of maintaining the, the family and so forth. So I really, you know, I took a liking when I when I uh, learned about your loan fund because I, I recognize that's an important piece, right? So talk a little bit about um, the loan fund, how it works uh, and that part of it. And one thing I want people to know, like when I started buy from a black woman back in 2016, having a loan fund was not even something I thought about, something I considered. I didn't even know it was something that was possible. So for those of you who are business owners who are like, um, I'm not sure how to get started. You just have to start because you never know where your journey is going to take you. Um, we started off with grants. And the more and more I realized that the education was lacking when it comes to black women. Business owners, that's one of the things that really is putting behind the eight ball of what it means. Um, to actually have a business to sustain in the market. You have to have money. You have to have capital. And learning that the banks have put so many different systems in place to ensure that Black people, Black women are not getting ahead. I knew, all right, now I have to do something, right? So the loan fund came about when Last year, we saw so many banks helping businesses, um, but the black businesses were not getting the help or the resources that they needed. When it came to the COVID relief fund, the PPP, the SBA, the rules were changing every other day, basically, um, for those who wanted to apply. We created our own PPP, we call it the Black Women Relief Fund, where we helped 24 businesses, but we knew that we needed to go further. I did some research, learned exactly what and need to actually be a financial institution. Um, and as we are applying and getting prepared to become a community development financial institution, Beautiful. one of those steps is to have a revolving loan fund to show that your mission, your motto, your 
work is actually working. So that's how the Black Women Loan Fund came to be. Um, we'll be providing micro loans to Black women business owners who go through our accelerated education program. We don't want to just give out loans without proper education, without making sure that these Black women are prepared for success, right? It's one thing just to give the money out, um, but it's another thing to provide the tools and resources that when you do have the money, you know exactly where it needs to go, how you can use it, and then also how you can build not just your personal credit, but also your business credit, which is a very important piece when you have a business. Um, we ensure that you have like your dunce number. We're helping you get business credit cards and all that stuff. So it's not just a loan fund. It's actually us making sure that you have all the proper tools and resources to maintain your business as a black woman business owner. Yeah. And that's definitely part of the beauty of the CDFI, right? Providing that technical assistance, because again, money's not the only gap, right? Money's really only a gap because of the education gap. So you don't have to withhold dollars from us if we've withheld the information, right? So just wraparound care. I love, love, love this work. You and I have a, a good bit in common. <laughs> so I'm super duper excited. I'm like, I'm going to connect with her after the show because I need to be talking to her at least once a month. <laughs> oh, yeah, I appreciate that. Very cool. So yeah. the online directory, right? So this is the consumer side of of your work. Yeah. So be, and go ahead. Going back to when people are like, oh my goodness, I want to support Black businesses, but I don't know who makes X, Y, Z, right? Uh, the Black Women Business Directory, the online directory, we showcase businesses. We have over 500 businesses on our directory, right? Um, you're sharing your screen. You're going to make your email public? Oh, yeah. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. But we got all different levels of emails, including emails just for, you know. <laughs> yeah. so, see, that's the security in me. because So you see, I've really been out here just making sure we're all security because of the loan fund. I'm learning new levels of security. Of so, everything, right? Stuff, right? Yeah. So the Black Woman Online Directory, we have over 500 businesses. And these businesses range from, you know, we do have our Black Women Apparel companies, but we have engineers. We have people who create business plans for you, those who can actually install heating and cooling systems, like what you need, we have on this online directory and it's by a black woman business owner. So we're taking away that tired excuse of, oh, I don't know where to find a business by a black woman or I don't know a black woman who makes something that's outside the realm. Going to buy from a black woman directory, you will find it on it. Like there's no reason, there's no excuse not to support or buy from a black woman. Mm -hmm. So exciting. Yes. So buy from a black woman directory org. Right. If you're looking for black women to support buy from a black woman directory org. Was that right? Yes. Yes. All yes. kinds of items on here, too. I mean, as was mentioned, you know, services, apparel. Um, this is this is phenomenal. This is our Inspire store, and we call it the Inspire store because we want to want you to inspire other people to support and buy from a black woman. So all of our apparel is to help you spread the word of conscious consumerness and help spread the word of why it's important to support and buy from black women. So we do have things for sale from us, and we do, of course, have the business on and operate by black women as well as you could buy, too. Mm, candles, decor, furniture, beauty, food and drink, um, skincare, health and wellness. Concentrated primarily in Atlanta or a lot of these things nationwide? 
Um, so I live in Atlanta, but wherever you see a black woman business owner, that's where black woman black woman is. So all these businesses are all across the globe. I'm not just saying just the country, I'm saying the globe intentionally, because we even do have some businesses on the record that are, you know, in London and in the Middle Eastern Asian area as well. So like we're literally all over the place. It's so funny. There was a woman uh, who's part of the community and she sent me a picture yesterday and she was, you know, in DC on holiday and she's like, I'm visiting the store, blah, 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 blah. She's like, I went to the register and there was a buy from a black woman sticker. Now I don't know this black woman at all. I don't know the store. Stay with us online at Black Wall Street Today on Facebook and Black Wall Street Today on Instagram. And then follow us on Twitter as well at BWS Today. We look forward to talking again next week. Have a wonderful week. I have said and I will continue to say that the most important priority for the black community is the black community, not a particular political party. Hey, yo, when I say black, you say Wall Street. What? Black Wall Street. When I say black, you say Wall Street. Black. Black. When I say black, you say Wall Street. Black. Black. When I say black, you say Wall Street. Black. Black. Uh. Black Wall Street. Black Wall Street. Phenomenal.